I'm Lisa Stone, and you are listening to Season 8 of Parenting Aces. Welcome to the Parenting Aces podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week I talk with Coach Todd Whittem again, and we kind of debrief on his summer working with some of your kids, actually, and talk a little bit about college recruiting, the national hard courts going on right now, and a few other tidbits of juicy information. So I hope you enjoyed this episode with Todd. Before we get to that, though, I want to just remind you, if you have not become a premium member of ParentingAces.com yet, you need to get on that. It's so easy. Just go to ParentingAces.com, click on the Join button in the top right, and you have a choice of joining as a monthly member, as an annual member, or if you're a coach, we even have a discounted option for you. I also want to remind all of you to check out the videos that John Falbo and I did uh, called Stop the Insanity, and they are geared toward helping families reduce the amount of money they're spending on junior development and on college tuition by maximizing their time and energy during their child's junior development years. So be sure and check those out. They are on parentingaces.com as well. The first two episodes in that eight-part video series are available free of charge to everybody. The other six videos are only available to our premium members. So again, what are you waiting for? Come join us. All right, now it's time to just sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode with Todd Whittem. Well, I'm happy to have you back on the show, Todd Whittem. It's been a few weeks. Thanks, Lisa. Yeah, thanks for having me back on once again. Well, so it's so funny because you and I text back and forth pretty regularly. We're, you know, interacting on social media all the time. I feel like we talk on a pretty regular basis and yet we never run out of things to discuss on this podcast. So I don't know how to explain that exactly, but I'm very happy for that situation. Yeah, I am as well. I love talking about <laughs> tennis and, and learning and uh, hopefully your viewers are learning a lot. And in fact, this summer has been the best summer for, for my business, as many of your viewers have, have come in and check out what Pierre and I do here in South Florida and, and the system that I run, which which is much different than kind of the cookie cutter academy in, in the United States. So it's it's been a fantastic summer and I've been full every single week except for this week, which is the USTA Super Nationals week. So I've had four or five of my, my full-timers go out to, uh, to play the Super National Hardcore. So it's been a little bit quieter, which is nice because it's been packed all summer. Well, that's been awesome. So it's funny because as I was telling you off air, um, I spent the day out at the girls' 12s hard courts today. And I'm not sure when this episode is going to air. Um, it may be a week or two, but um, it's, you know, it's the first time I've been out at the girls' 12s in a really long time. And it's just, it was so fun. I saw some great tennis and met some really nice parents. And, came across some parents that were a little stressed as you would expect in such a setting. But uh, for the most part, everybody was super friendly and, um, you know, just seemed happy to be out there. So it was good to see. And I'm thrilled to hear that the Parenting Aces audience is supporting you and Pierre in your program and bringing kids down to work with y'all. And I think that gives us a really great opportunity to talk about what you're seeing from these kids when they do make their way down to Florida. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, it's been very exciting for Pierre and I. Um, you know, for, for the viewers, as as many of many of you would know, I run a very small little private program. You could consider it a, uh, a small little elite private schooling for tennis. And so, it doesn't take a ton of kids to to fill my program. We're not filling a bunch of courts. So we've been shuffling some kids in and out of, of my of my program, depending on the weeks and availability and. And, and those types of things. But my, my normal client usually comes from a very big tennis academy. And, uh, and so most of the kids that have come to Pierre and I this summer um, for assessments and then uh, 
to see if it works, you know, not, o- not only for, for the child and the parents, but also for Pierre and I um, for either full-time or, or for periodically throughout the year. Um, so many of the parents would, would like more private attention and those types of things and to get assessments. And so Pierre and I have been, have been doing that all summer um, with, with uh, the students that have been coming into South Florida. So it's been a very exciting time for us. And uh, many times we're seeing a lot of a lot of the same things uh, with, with with the kids that are coming from very big big academies and big arenas. Such as, what are some of the things that are really jumping out at you? Sure. So, I mean, on on a broader, you know, on a on a on a, on a, on a little little broader um, spectrum, we're seeing kids that uh, have, have have trouble maybe with discipline of shot. Um, concentrating for longer periods of time, um, shot production, being able to duplicate the same shot over and over and over again. Um, they're usually pretty good. I would say the kids for the most part are, are because they've taken a lot of groups and lessons. They, for the most part, their techniques are are probably okay. Some need to be fixed, but overall, because because of the lessons in the groups, the, the techniques are okay, but that's not what really makes you a champion. It's just one little piece of trying to become as good as you can be. And so we're trying to introduce an element of training where it's very high intensity. It's a very disciplined environment. The mentalities of all the kids are the same. Um, stroke production, a lot of repetitions, a lot of longer durations of concentration for the kids, uh, very physical workouts. Um, and, and, and really, you know, that, that's really the basis of, of what we do. And then also to assess whether the, the current techniques are going to be holding up for the upcoming years for, for these particular kids. And, and really the assessment that, that I put the, the children through when they first come come to join Pierre and I is really to take a look at the techniques and the movements and, and, and those types of things, but also to see the mentality. And I think a lot of children have entered, you know, my arena as well as, as, as Pierre's um, with, you know, maybe more of a relaxed mentality and, 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 and maybe not, not such a disciplined environment where they're coming from. And, and in the beginning, it's a little bit of a shell shock for them. And there's a certain standard that, that that I love to have for my students day in and day out. And when it's not there, they're, they're going to pay the piper. That's just the way I do it. And that's the way that I would love for, for my kids, my children to be brought up by their coaches in whatever sport they want to choose. And that's what really gives us most joy in training the kids is, is to do it right. It's not to fill tennis courts. It's not to have a lesson in group factory. To me, that that's, that's just, just that exciting to tell you the truth for me. So when you talk about mentality, Todd, let's get a little more specific because that's a pretty generic term that can mean a lot of different things depending on who you talk to. And when you say that the kids that you work with all have a similar mentality, what specifically are you referring to? Sure. So for any for any parent that, that that has been calling me throughout the summer or even before the summer to maybe see if I have availability during certain weeks, I tell them the same thing that I'm that I'm telling you right now is that if a child loves to play tennis and they want to work really hard and they're respectful, then they should love the system that, that I put together. Now, if it's if it's anything but that and they're more, you know, maybe maybe they're not quite as serious or they want to take long water breaks and they're just happy to be out on the court and, and, and maybe the parents aren't really expecting big time results or, or, or those types of things. And then my arena probably isn't, isn't for you. You know, and, and that's, that's fine. It, it just depends what each, each and every child and parent wants out of the, out of the tennis. Um, in terms of mentality, those are the things that I look for is they're working hard. They're respectful. When we teach them something, they retain it and they try to apply it all the time. They're competitive kids. Um, they want to be pushed. They love the discipline that, that we try to instill in them. And, uh, and so those are the kids that really make my cut. I've, I've, had, I've had superstars. 
um, that have played at the best colleges. I've trained uh, some professional players as well. Um, as, as many of the viewers know, I was brought up in, a, in an incredible environment where the top professionals in the world were, were already hitting with me when I was a young kid and I was thrown into that arena very young. Um, but that's, that's what I want to surround myself with. And, and so when the parents come in and they, they may watch a little bit to see what my system's all about, I think they're a little bit surprised or, or, you know, you know maybe surprised is that number one, no drama. <laughs> number two, you're going to have to act, act well. You're going to have to be respectful. You're going to play with everybody that we tell you to play with. There's no princes and there's no princesses. And, and, and it's, it's no, it's a no nonsense training arena. And, uh, and it's really put, it's been put together for that serious child that wants to achieve. And, and when they go through the assessment and I get to know the child and, and, and the parent and the parents better through, through that assessment, we then assess what they want out of their tennis. And then we come up with a great plan of action for that child to try to be achieving what they would love to achieve. So it's a, it's a whole management of of each child's tennis career and it's communication with the parents and it's 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 the whole package so that their child can try to achieve what they would love to achieve what is the ideal age for somebody to come work with you well my youngest full-time student is 11 and it ranges all the way up to about 18 years old Mm -hmm. um you know i can i can tell you that for the kids that have come into, into my system over the summer, um, some of the habits are very difficult to break. And, 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 and they're coming from arenas where, where there's, there's maybe too many kids or, or, the, or the, maybe the coaching isn't so great or the, the, the arena isn't really put together for kids that want to achieve great things in tennis. Uh, everyone's case is different. But as the child gets older, it becomes a lot more difficult to, to, to fix the foundation. And so to me, it's always, if the child is 11, 12, 13 years old, that's a, that's a great age. As, as many of the viewers um, have, have listened to and, and know that my top student, Ronnie Homan, and, and his father has been on your podcast and everything. And he, and he speaks about Ronnie coming to live with me at 14 years old, but he also states that he wished that he would have had his son down here when he was even younger than that, uh, full time. You know, I started with him when he was 12 and he's been my top producing student and he's won some you know, very big titles and that type of thing. Um, but what I can tell you is that the foundation of training techniques, movement, mentality, point construction, these things need to be worked on every single day with one voice. And, and so if you have masses of kids with different mentalities and different voices, different coaches, taking lessons with one coach, then doing groups with another coach, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how, how great the, the children can, can, can progress in that type of system. And, 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 and quite honestly, that, that's kind of normal tennis in America. It's, it's more kids. It's masses of coaches, masses of, of everything, masses of different mentalities. And so to, to mesh that together, I, I don't, I don't know how, how that could, how that could work out real well. And, and, and the kids that have come into, into my system in the summer, these are kids that are serious, that want to do really well, but they may be, they may be put into arenas where there's a lot of different mentalities. Maybe they're serious. The other kids are, 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 aren't so serious. The coaches may not be that serious, but then they go take that serious couple of private lessons, but that's not really enough. And so mm-hmm. it becomes difficult. It, it really becomes difficult. And, and, uh, and before you know it, you could be in the hole with your child trying to develop into the best player that they can be and, and the foundation and, and, and all these things are then rocky. And you really want the children to be rocking and rolling and playing great tennis by the time they're about 16 years old. So a lot of the kids and the, and the parents, they know it. They're on the clock and they're trying to figure this out and the tournament scheduling and all of these different things and different variables. But it comes down to the training. That's where it starts, is that how high quality training is your child receiving on a daily basis from one voice so that your child is, is not confused with multiple voices and taking a tennis lesson 
but then going off to a different coach. And so that tennis lesson then probably doesn't mean that much because if you're taking a tennis lesson, then you go take a bunch of groups and those, and those certain things that you worked on in that lesson are not being worked on in those groups. Then what did that lesson really mean? Mm -hmm. So those are the things that I'm seeing. So let me ask you this, I, because it, as I'm listening to you talk, it just occurs to me that sometimes we as parents may want things more than our kids want them. And, you know, I think that happens with youth sports a lot. It also happens in other areas with kids, you know, whether it's the arts or academics or whatever it may be. And so when you have a kid come down to you for an assessment, how do you determine if it's the kid that really wants this or if it's the parent pushing for it? I, I can tell in five minutes. How? <laughs> to tell you the truth, Lisa. Why? Because in my, in my assessment, I'm making it very physical um, in that assessment as well as I'm making it very, very tough mentally for them to be able to get through the assessment. I'm really testing them because I protect my system. And so I can tell pretty much right away by their, their mentality, their techniques, how serious they are. Are they quitting the drills that I'm doing? Right. I can kind of tell how bad they want this. And so my assessment goes for an hour and a half, but after about, I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe five or 10 minutes, I can kind of tell if, if, if this is a student that I really want to spend five hours a day with. Mm -hmm. And many times Pierre will be right next to me and I'll turn to him and say, is this a yes or a no? And, uh, and, and that's, that's really what, what we're looking at. Um, when we're, when we're looking, when we're looking at the children, now everyone has different things to work on and everything. But like I said, it's that mentality of work ethic, respect, um, and, and being open for, for what we're trying to, to teach them and, and coming every day with a certain standard and professionalism. And that's what we, those, those are the kids that we love to be with. And, and that's, that's why I've had such a great time and my system has been full is because these 12 kids that I've spent these weeks with in the summer, they've had that mentality. Now it ranges from Ronnie, who, who's, a, who's a superstar, to an 11 year old. And it's great. I have fun with all of them. It's, it's not just I enjoy training the kids that are winning big titles and those types of things. That really has nothing to do with it. I've been around unbelievable players since I was six years old. So that's, that's what gives me most joy. But I, I, can, I, can get a good, I can get a good feeling for is this child going to thrive in my system or it's just not for them. And, 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 we'll, and we'll know very, very quickly because a kid, a child that doesn't want to put this type of work in every single day, they're not going to enjoy my system. We, I know this because we're testing them mentally and physically all day long. And that's very difficult for, for many kids to handle. So when you do get a kid where it becomes obvious in that first few minutes that this is the parent bringing this kid down here, this kid really doesn't want to be here. What do you do about that? How do you handle that situation? Well, there's, there's two options. Um, either we don't train them, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, they, they, you know, they, they maybe don't fit in, um, or they go privately outside of, of my group and, 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 and that's it. You know, it's, it's not, you know, I, 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 like I said, I protect my full timers that I train and obviously the kids that period periodically come, come in and out of my system cause they maybe can't relocate to South Florida full time. Um, but I protect, I protect that system. So the parents that have relocated their children into, into my system, they expect a certain standard. And so do I. And so if it's any child that's bringing down the groups or not having the, the proper mentality and those types of things, sorry, you're out. It's almost like a college tennis program, right? right. Where, you know, if, if, if you have 10 players on a team, and you, ha and you have some bad apples and it's not working out, well, you, you don't want the team to be, you know, they, you don't want them to be brought down. Right. And so, and so that, that, that's how I run it. And, and uh, it's, a very, it's a very healthy group. The kids get along great. There's no drama. I don't, I don't deal with that stuff. And, uh, and, and everyone's treated the same, whether it's superstar kid or an 11-year-old. And, and, and 
that that's just how I do it. And that's the way that I was brought up with Pierre and his partner as well. So that's kind of what I know. And, uh, and that's how we go about it. Well, so you and I both mentioned earlier in this podcast that national hard courts are going on right now. And I was at the 12s, the girls 12s today, and we'll be headed to the girls 16s and 18s this weekend in San Diego. You've got players competing at the various age groups and you have a lot of contact with college coaches because that's just the world you travel in. And you know, a lot of these men and women that are out recruiting this week at hard courts. What are you hearing from the coaches? Sure. Um, so, so basically in, in, in my generation of, of players that I competed with, whether it was amateur or professional tennis, the, the guys that I competed with, they either went, if, if they stayed in tennis, they either went to work for the USTA or they went into college coaching. Not, not many went into the private sector of junior development. And so I have a lot of, you know, a lot, a lot of great friends that have, that are, that have great college positions and, and they're doing well. And, and, and so many times I speak to them about who they're trying to recruit and the mentalities that they want to be bringing into, into their environment at school. And so I can tell you, and it's not, it's not comforting is that many of the college coaches have been spending a great deal of their summer in Europe trying to recruit tennis players. And, and, and I'll also tell you, I'll also tell you some, some information that one of the coaches told me is that he went to Germany and he was looking at players there and he said, their UTRs, some of these players, their UTRs, because they don't play in tennis tournaments are so low and they're very much off the radar. But he said they play in some club league out there and those types of things. And these kids would come and win super nationals here. And that was just mind blowing to me that these kids don't, don't even compete in tournaments out there. They just play for their clubs and they're at such a high level that they would win the best of the best super national tennis tournaments here in the United States. And so that's why these coaches are going abroad and, and, and just like any other business, they're, they're trying to get the best players that they can so that they can keep their jobs and, and, and keep a great thing going. And, and that's, that's really what they're doing, but they're also talking about mentalities as well. Just like I spoke about mentalities earlier in the show mm-hmm. is that they're seeing kids. And, and this is, this is a direct quote from one of them is that there are 15 year old kids in Europe that are more mature than our 18 year old kids here in the United States. And, and, and so they love that mentality. They love it for their team. They're hungry. They want to do great things. And that's why these coaches are, are, are just, you know, are, are, are going after these players and I can't really blame them. And so to me, it comes, like I said, it comes down to the environment for junior players that are, that are, that are coming through the system here in the United States. It comes down to management of that child and, and the parents and communicating really well with the parents. And, and then you devise a great plan on how to be achieving those goals. And, and that's what I do really with, with the players that, that I train, but I also don't have a very big arena. And I, and I, and I also make sure that it's a very good situation for Pierre and I to be developing these particular players that we're spending every single day with. I have the green light from the parents that we, whatever we need to do with, with these kids, we do. So it could be a very tough discipline. It could be being very accountable for your actions, whatever it is. We make sure that it's a great, very great situation, a great situation for, for Pierre and I to be developing and enjoying the kids that we work with every single day. If it was anything other than that, or we were limited to what we could do with these kids, it wouldn't be as fun. It would be less fulfilling for us to be working with, with children every single day. So, right. but that, that, that's what I've wanted to put together. And I can understand coaches that don't have that green light. They're working for a country club or they're working for a tennis academy that can, it can be very difficult because your job is on the line. If you don't, if, if you're not politically correct or you're, you know, reprimanding a child and doing what you think is best for the child, but you're also not working for yourself. Mm-hmm. You're working for a company or you're working for a club. And so that's a whole different ball game. It really, it really is. Well, 
So just following up on what you said that you heard from the college coaches, and in particular, the one who talked about the kids in Germany, what can we here in the U.S. learn from that coach's statement that, you know, he's seeing these players who don't even play many tournaments, who don't have high UTRs as a result of not playing many tournaments, yet are you know, heads above the majority of the American kids. What do we take from that, you know, as parents and as coaches? Sure. Well, what, what, first of all, what, what I think is that, is that you see a lot of parents and they're investing a lot of money in tennis tournaments, right? And, and, and they're, they're, they're really hoping their child does well. And they, they travel to these ITFs in the Caribbean, or they, they're traveling worldwide to these different tournaments, or they're going all around the country and they're trying to chase the points and all those things. There, there, there's, there's, it, it doesn't work. I'm sorry to tell you, it doesn't work. It comes down to your training. That's number one is that is your child receiving quality training every single day so that when you do go invest in, in any tournaments, it doesn't matter what tournaments you play, but is your child ready to have great results and, and compete well in those particular tennis tournaments? I don't care if it's an ITF tournament, a professional tournament, a national tournament, a sectional tournament. Has your child trained well and do they deserve to do well in those tennis tournaments? And that, that's, that's where it starts. It's not, oh, my, my, child, trained, my child trained a little bit. And, uh, and we're going to go over here and, and they've been struggling for a long time, but we're going to invest money into tournaments that it, it just does not work. And I hear this all the time. And, 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 and what I say is you need to invest in training, not so much in tennis tournaments. And, and you see kids chasing the points and, and they're traveling all over the place with their parents and, and, and it's just the frustration and, 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 and they want results. And, but it, it comes down, like I, like I said in, in, in other podcasts, your training is your homework and the tournament is the examination. How well and are you passing the examination in the tennis tournaments? But it always starts with your training. And so it might not be quite as exciting being at home or, or on the backcourts training and putting in those hours. But if you want the results, then you got to put in great time to be achieving great things. Right. And I mean, it's interesting when you start talking to the college coaches and, you know, and for the last few years, UTR has been kind of the standard that everybody's been talking about, right? You know, the coaches are recruiting at a certain UTR level and, um, you know, you got to make sure your UTR is within that range and blah, blah, blah. And now I think people are kind of starting to move back towards center and realizing that in order to evaluate a young player or a player of any age, it's not just about what their universal tennis rating is or their ITF ranking or any other number, but that it's about the quality of their level of play. And that means stroke production. It means um, shot selection. It means you know, competing hard. It means being able to stay calm on the court and decision-making prowess and fitness. And I mean, there are so many components, right? And these college coaches, for the most part, are really good at spotting the good players and also spotting the ones that are going to likely be trouble for them. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's the same thing as my business. The assessment is, am I spotting a really a player that I want to spend my, my days and hours in life with or not? So their business is trying to get the best players that they can and, and, and trying to have a great, great mentality of, 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 of players on their team. I'm the, I'm in the same arena just with juniors and development. There, there's obviously is in the college arena, but it's a, it's the same thing. And so if they brought in players that didn't belong on that team and brought down the team, well, those, those, those coaches could, could be in jeopardy of losing their job. And if I brought in players that didn't have the proper mentality or level of play and, and, and those types of things in, 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 my, in my business, I would expect to be losing my job as well. 
Sure. <laughs> That's just what it is. That's so reality. Anywhere in your assessment, do you ask for a kid's ranking or rating? Is that part of your um, assessment it makes, process? It, ma- it makes no difference to me. I don't care. I don't. So, uh, I mean, me do you a- no do you ask the care. question or no? No, I don't care. Okay. okay. And 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 I'll, and I'll and I'll tell you why. Because I look for that professionalism, mentality, work ethic, respect. That's what I look for. And if you can give me that and your child really loves to play tennis, then I know they can progress in what I've put together in South Florida. That I know. It's been proven already for nine years. And Pierre been doing this for 37 years. We know that they can progress and progress at a rapid rate. That's what my system is for. Um, if it was anything else, then I'd bring in masses of all kinds of coaches and players. But it's it's not it's it's not for that, and so that's that's really the reason why why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you something else. I'm going to change tactics or change change gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a conversation earlier today with a USTA national coach, and we were talking about early specialization versus allowing kids to really experience many different types of physical activities and sports at a young age and waiting to specialize until later. And tennis as a whole has been about early specialization for a very long time. And I think once Ash Barty kind of blew on back onto the scene after having that stellar junior tennis career, then taking a break to play cricket professionally and coming back and reaching number one in women's tennis now maybe we're starting to have a little bit different conversation about early specialization and forcing children to give up other sports for tennis at a young age, I'm talking about. So given that you've got kids as young as age 11 that you work with, what is your feeling about that? Well, um, I can tell you from my personal experience, Pierre's partner, who trained many of the champions in South Florida, he unfortunately passed away when I, when I was 15. Um, I grew up playing tennis, baseball, soccer, and golf. And he flat out came to me when I was six or seven years old and said, and said you better pick one now. Because I would go play baseball, and I guess swinging the bat at that age would screw up some of my tennis techniques that he was teaching me. And so he probably wasn't too thrilled with that. And he was a very tough disciplinarian coach. And he knew that I, that I, that I was going to pick tennis. I mean, he, he just, you know, you couldn't drag me off the courts. I was there until closing every night. My mom had to drag me out of the, out of the tennis facility when I was that age. Um, early specialization. Ash Barty, you're, you're speaking about a one, one in a million type athlete. Um, I don't, you know, it depends on, on what you want, but also from from a USTA perspective, they're dealing with a whole broad range of tennis players in this country. It could be recreational, all different types, serious, not serious, maybe kids, all different types of, of college tennis. I, I really, I only deal with kids that, that want, that, that tell me, I want to go to these specific schools. And this is what the parents are coming and, and, and saying to me as well. We want these specific things. What is it going to take for my child to achieve these things in tennis? That's why they relocate into my system. They come from all over the country. I've had kids from all over this summer. And, and really, that's been the basis of my business for, for the last nine years. Um, in terms of early specialization, I mean, you know, it, is, is it bad to specialize at 10? Is it bad to specialize at 12? I don't know. Every case is different. What I can tell you is that if your child is serious, they need a great foundation. And, and tennis, it takes a lot of hours to get a great foundation of, of grips, techniques, tactics, mental toughness. You know, there, there's so much that goes into becoming a well-rounded, great tennis player, even at the amateur level. And, uh, and so when you see kids that are specializing at a very young age, that could be dangerous. But it was it was really when I was six or seven years old and I specialized in tennis. I loved tennis more than anything. If you took tennis away from me, I would go crazy. 
I could not wait to get to the tennis courts every single day and train and play anyone and, and be in groups and lessons and these things all day long. When summer came around and I could play tennis all day long and didn't have to worry about school, I was in heaven. You couldn't drag me off the court. So it probably depends on how much you're trying to do this. Um, so, you know, in, 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 in terms of that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I can tell you in, in my generation, we were all specializing at a, at a young age to try to compete and play and become either amazing college players or professional players. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, you know, when, 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 when you have this, when you have these topics of early specialization or periodization and, 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 the, and these types of things, I think it really depends on, on, on each case. Um, if you told me, Todd, at seven years old, I'm only going to let you play tennis two or three times a week, but then you're going to play baseball the other two days. And then maybe you'll play golf on the weekend. You know, I, I, I wouldn't be happy with that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, but, I would, I would have been, I would have been pissed off. You know, yeah. I mean, why are you taking this away from me? I'd love to do it. But so do what are you, you going to tell that child? Do you feel like there is value in, training the athlete first and the tennis player second. There's tremendous value. Absolutely. And so, I mean, I I think you would agree that by playing different sports, even if it's strictly recreational with the other sports that, you know, that is going to help develop a stronger overall athlete and, maybe help prevent some of the injuries that we see that are due to overuse, you know, for young kids and maybe prevent some burnout. I I agree. I agree. But for, for tennis players, they do have a certain amount of time to be learning and producing certain things in tennis. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to do those sports outside of, of tennis, that's fantastic. I am all for it. You want to go play soccer or baseball or whatever. Hopefully you just don't get, get hurt outside of your main sport, but I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. But a developing junior player has a limited amount of time to be learning certain skills and disciplines before they either enter the college arena or the professional arena. So like I said, it, it really depends on, on each case and how much that child really loves to, to be doing what they're doing and, you know, and, and, and really, and really go from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I talked about with the USTA coach was the fact that some junior coaches now are incorporating soccer drills into their warmups or, you know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Or obstacle courses, you know, as, as a thing for the kids to do when they're taking a break from their tennis training or, you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah, that's great. They're, they're, they're still kids. And, and hopefully those things that they're, that they're doing can translate over to their, to their tennis. Exactly. Right? So, you know, like light on their feet and moving and fitness. And those are all fantastic things. Um, and I, and I can tell you when I was 17 years old, a senior in high school, I trained, I did a lot of training, but part of my training was three hours of soccer on, on the weekend. It was for cross training and fitness and movement and these things. So it was great. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was fantastic. It was fun. I got fitter. It was a, it was a beautiful thing. And so when we say that you're specializing early or not specializing early, you know, it can be that by avoiding early specialization, all that means is that you're doing, like you said, you know, spending a few hours when you're not on the court playing another game or another sport just to either give your body a break, give your mind a break, or to develop skills that will enhance your tennis once you get back on the court. It doesn't yeah, mean yeah. it doesn't mean that you have to play three sports competitively, because I think, sadly, (laughs) I think the days are gone where you're going to see, you know, that many multi-sport athletes. I mean, I think they are rare to find these days. Yeah. It's too demanding. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think that's true with pretty much all sports now, you know, it requires a lot of training with a coach and then a lot of other training off, 
off the court or off the field. And, you know, kids just don't have the time anymore. But um, anyway, I, I kind of got a sidetrack. Sorry about that. It just okay. was a conversation that I had earlier today. And you and I never have really talked about that. Uh, so, right. you so know, and, I mean, I, and, I mean, sorry. I mean, I, I can also talk to you about periodization. Well, right. we had we did a talk about that one time, but we yeah, could we, do another okay. one. Yeah, but we could do another I'm, I'm, one. I'm, I'm getting old, but you know, my my thing is is that you know I, I keep seeing these things periodization, and it's it's not bad. But if you had a child that was behind in many different many different areas of their tennis development, and 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 they weren't tired or they weren't like burned out. Hopefully, they're never burned out, right? Should I, should they go take two weeks off? Right. Many, yeah. many, many, many kids are, have to learn things in such a short window of time, maybe because they're on the clock for college or, or whatever the case shall be. And, and that was really the basis of my business was, you know, fix my child. I, need, I want them to go to these great schools and they're now 16 or 17 years old. That's how my business started. So when, pe- when I start hearing periodization, I start thinking to myself, well, I mean, that's all fine and dandy, but the, a lot of the children are, are behind in many different essential things that they need to learn to become great tennis players. So I should go give them three weeks off, two weeks off. Well, I don't think periodization has to be necessarily time off, but maybe time away from tournaments, you know, so that they're, Uh, they have time to work on other things for sure. But I I think, uh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, but I think one point is, and this is something I didn't learn until way late in the game, is that taking time off isn't always a bad thing. And sometimes it can be a very good thing, you know, for these kids to have a break. And whether that's a family vacation to go do something fun together, or whether it's, you know, just, bumming around with your friends after school instead of going to the tennis courts every day. Sometimes it's good to have that recharge both mentally and physically and the kid comes back stronger. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have a very healthy balance. Sure. Sure. Okay. So I want to get back to this whole thing that we started with today, Todd, which was, what you're seeing from the people that are coming down to you this summer, because presumably the ones that are coming this summer are, you know, maybe some of them will become full-time with you, but for many of them, I would suspect, you know, they're there for a, a week or two and, and with plans to come back on school breaks or something like that. And so as you assess these kids when they come down and you identify the strengths and weaknesses in their game, both from a physical standpoint and a mental standpoint, what do you tell the kids? What do you tell the parents to take back home to their coach at home so that they can continue on that upward trajectory of improvement? Sure. Uh, That's a big Um, question. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you know, everyone, everyone's different, but, what, what what I can tell you is that regardless of the techniques that, that each child has, there's a big, there's big deficiencies in movement and how to construct a tennis point. So you have children that are taking a lot of groups and a lot of lessons and that that's great. And they, they may be doing well in those things, but competing and being able to handle stress and pressure and understanding how to play and how to construct points and what's going to work best for you uh, is, a, is a whole different ballgame. And I'm not sure that the, the children, and I can tell you the vast majority of any kid that's ever entered my arena in these nine years, does, really doesn't know what they're doing on a, on a tennis court and how to compete. And, and so kids have to be under pressure in practice. And you try to make it as realistic in every single drill, in every single set, as if they were competing in a tennis tournament. That's crucial because you can't expect kids to be thriving in, in the most pressure-packed arena, which is a tennis tournament for them, if they're not coming from a highly competitive environment and being, and being under stress and, 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 being, and, and, and being in very disciplined environments. You can't expect for that for, for that to happen. I, I don't think that can happen. And so 
if that isn't the current, you know, the, the current arena that your child is in, I don't know if I would expect great results because all of a sudden you're not used to a very pressure packed arena. You don't know how to handle that type of stress in a tennis tournament, the emotions, the excitement, the nervousness. So how would you expect for them to thrive in, in, in that type of environment? If they're not coming from a training environment of pressure, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe stress, um, maybe having to achieve certain things in a certain amount of time. Um, so in, in, in my arena we're we're always Pierre and I are always trying to push their buttons a little bit, trying to get a little bit more out of them, trying to, for them to reach, you know, to, to, you know, for, for higher goals. If you can make five or 10 balls on, on this certain mark, well, you did it. You did that on Monday. Can you do 12 now on this certain mark today? And we're gauging that improvement. And, and every single day we're assessing that. And then they're put under pressure. We put them under pressure all the time. Mm-hmm. Because if you can't handle pressure in practice, there's no way you're handling pressure in a tennis tournament. But I guess what I'm asking, Todd, is so once they've spent the time with you this summer, whether it's a week, two weeks, a month, whatever it is, and they go back to their coach at home, how, what kind of guidance do you give them about how to maintain that level of intensity once they get back home? I mean, is there, is there something they can say to their coach? Is there something that they need to look for to supplement their time with their coach? You know, whether it's seeking out college players to play against or seeking out adults that are, you know, really high level to play against. I mean, you know, the last thing anybody wants is to have their kid come work with you for a few weeks and then go back and have them regress to the same point they were at before they came to Florida. Well, do they have a certain certain standard every single time they they walk through the door where they're training? That that's all I can say. Right, that the what, kid what has the to standard? have that. The kid has to have well, that, or the coach has to the have kid, that, or both. The kid and the arena. What's acceptable? They're accountable, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so the child knows, right? When 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 they when they come and and, and they spend time with Pierre and I and. And, and and we're working on all these different things and, and they're under, under you know, the stress and the pressure and, 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 and competing and, and maybe learning new techniques and all these things, they understand that, that this is a certain standard. And so if they go home and there's not a certain standard and they're not building upon that, there's problems, right? Sorry, you know, right. So, so, sorry to, sorry to tell you. Right. Well, okay. So, but, but not everybody can relocate to Florida. I mean, we, we understand that. Yeah, so, so course. I mean, I, I don't want to make this out to sound like it's just a big bummer. Like, if you, you know, if you're, no, but, aesthetic, but, but, you know, I mean, but what, what there we're has doing to be is not, they not, can do. what we're doing is not rocket science. It's not, but that's not, we're just demanding things out of kids so that they can thrive. That's what, that's, that's, that's what we're doing all day long. No, and and so, I, and wh- I get that, but you know, I guess my question is, so what happens when they leave you? Because if the family cannot, for whatever reason, move down there so their child can train with you full time or, you know, doesn't have the means for the child to be down there with you full time, what happens when they go back home so that they don't feel like, my God, we were exposed to, you know, the Holy Grail. And now we've got to go back and try and replicate this in less than ideal settings. Well, I mean, they, you know, I have some that are sending me videos of, of, mm-hmm. of their children. Um, and, and so if the coaches are, are open minded about things that need to be worked on that that's that's great i have no problem communicating with any of the coaches of kids that have come in to you know check out what i'm doing and and how we're how we're training the kids and i've had i've had coaches come over and just say i just want to watch some of your practices and and, and absolutely you know it's, it's not it's not a problem and i think they're the the coaches and the parents are a little bit in not in shock but you know, they're, they're not, they're not used to that type of system where we're not, you know, we're, we're here to try to help these children and develop them for not only their tennis, but also for their lives. 
and, and make them accountable for their actions and, and teach them how to handle certain situations. And, and, and that, that's not only tennis, but that, that, that's life that the, the tennis careers of, of any player, whether it's amateur or professional are going to come to an end at, at a certain point in time. So basically, you know, what, what, what we're demanding, what I love so much about it is that really I'm not restricted in, 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 in coaching the kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Make sure that it's a very good situation for Pierre and I to be developing these children, right? Whether it's their tennis or outside of their tennis and, and all these different aspects in terms of the children going home to, to their coaches, they should demand a lot. And if they really want to do well, they, they may have to make some adjustments in, in their, in their, in their training, which is Okay. And the, and the coaches back home should really appreciate that because they then have students that want to reach higher levels of tennis and they're willing to do it. Any kid that comes into my arena that doesn't want to reach higher levels of tennis and wants to work towards that every single day, I'm not interested in training that child. I'm going to tell you flat out, it's the same discussion I have with every parent well, that calls but, me. But yeah, but let's you know. be real, Todd. Not every coach feels that way. <laughs> Some are I know, it's, about it's, the numbers. It's just the way that I am. It's, right. Yeah, it's just the way that I am because, I mean, that's the way I was brought up. We're either going to do this right or we're just not going to do it. Right. So that, that's, you know, that's, I mean, I was brought up by coaches that trained amazing players. I mean, you know, they, they put this time and effort, their blood, sweat, and tears all day long into these amazing tennis players and amazing athletes and amazing mentalities. And, and so that's what I've wanted to be around. And if it's, and, and if the child doesn't possess that and hopefully they can develop that and get and bring that out of themselves, I mean, that, you know, that that can happen too, you know, sure. but. Well, you know, I, what I'm um, trying to do is, is to make sure that we leave our listeners with a sense that, you know, even if your situation at home isn't maybe the ideal because it's just not available where you live that by bringing your child to a program like yours, Todd, where they are introduced and then thrown into basically the lion's den in terms of the intensity level of the training, that they can then take that back home and continue that high level of training, even if it means, you know, maybe they've got to like I said, pay some college kids to, to play mm-hmm. practice matches with their kid or, you know, seek out um, practice partners that are at a higher level than what the child is being exposed to in their day-to-day tennis program. You know, maybe yeah, the well, coach well, just doesn't have yeah. other kids that are at that level or desire to be at that level. And there's no there's nothing you can do about that short of moving. And not everybody... Right has the flexibility to move. So, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to provide a workaround here. (laughs) Right. Right. No, I mean, I I agree. And, 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 you know, being experienced is that I've consulted with, with parents of exactly what you just spoke about is that I recommend that, you know, you do these certain things, maybe it's practice partners or college kids and, 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 you know, more private time on these certain areas those types of things, because maybe families can't relocate here full time. So Pierre and I may say, Hey, your child needs to be doing these certain things and and these certain types of practices and these specific drills so that when you come back into my arena in the upcoming months, that we're still not working on the same exact things as when you came here. Mm -hmm. And so, and so, yeah, we, we've, we've voiced our opinions plenty of times with, with, with the families that have been here. And I mean, let's talk, you know, dollars and cents. I mean, not specifically, but, but if a family is spending money on private lessons and drills that aren't helping the child get better every single day, maybe that money is better spent on a trip down to Florida for a week or two at spring break, or, um, you know, maybe instead of playing, every single tournament that comes your way, you save your money and don't spend it on the tournament travel, but rather spend it coming down to train with Todd for a week or two weeks or whatever. Um, I mean, so there, 
these are the kinds of workarounds I'm talking about. So it's not just that the families that can afford to be in Florida full time are the only ones that are going to get the advantage of what you and coaches like you have to offer. I'm trying to help families understand that even if you don't live in a tennis mecca, there are ways for you to get time with these top coaches and still stay within your same working budget, um, but but make your money work harder for you. Make it, you know, be money well spent as opposed to just writing the same check month after month, week after week, and not seeing any progress. Right. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent with what with what you're saying. Um, it really it depends on, on the quality. It, it's is tennis is not about quantity. It's about quality. So many times that quality hour, hour and a half just means so much more than five hours. Exactly. Right? Of, 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 a, of a lesser, right. Of, 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 of a lesser quality. So, but then it also, it also comes down to what are the goals, right? Yeah. What, what are the goals for each child? And so, like I said, that's, you know, that, that's mapped out, you know, of, you know, what, what needs to happen for this child to achieve what, what they would love to achieve with their tennis. Sure. Sure. And, you know, those who have been listening to this podcast for a while may remember when my son went and trained in Spain for a summer, he was blown away that the sessions only lasted an hour and a half. They were on court for an hour and a half, but it was (laughs) the most grueling hour and a half he had ever spent in his life. I mean, he was just blown away at how exhausted he was at the end of that hour and a half. But he was also blown away at how quickly his level improved. And well, so it, it feeds exactly into what you just said. It's about the quality of the practice, not necessarily the length of time you're out there. Right. Well, and, and so, you know, really, I mean, your son went to Spain and he experienced that. Right. And so and I'm not I'm not an advocate for, you know, going, you know, and relocating to Spain and all those things. But there are kids in Europe that are doing that every single day. Right. That's, that's which, which brings us full circle to, to the college coaches experience and, and the recruiting efforts uh, in correct. Europe. Yeah. Yeah. And, okay. and that's what your kids are doing every day. I hope so. <laughs> At least we're trying. Right? I mean, I mean, yeah. that's, that's, yeah. you know, yeah. you're not necessarily modeling what you're doing after what's going on in Europe, but you're certainly familiar enough with it and understand the value in, you know, intense, productive practice sessions and intense, productive match play, as opposed to just point chasing and going tournament to tournament. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of what our expertise is in. I I can't really, if, if we had discussions about different levels of tennis or the orange, green, those type of balls and all that stuff, I can't really speak much about that stuff. You know, I don't, I don't, you know, but you know, the, the stuff I was brought up in and yeah. know, it's been part of my life ever since I was a little child. Yeah. So that's, that's how I can speak about these things and many, many different levels of tennis, adult tennis or the recreational or the very small youngsters with, you know, with, with the, the orange and the, and the green and the red dot balls and that, that type of stuff. I can't really speak much on that stuff. You will be able to, once your kids get on the court. You'll have to learn <laughs> it all. Right. <laughs> then you're going to become a, then, an then, expert. Then I'm going to open the book up of the USTA book and try to figure that stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Todd, thanks so much for a very enlightening conversation once again. And um, thanks for sharing your experience and and for answering the call when the Parenting Aces listeners call you and ask to come down. I, I know they appreciate that. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, probably my, my email or, or my phone number. Uh, it's, on, it's on the website. I, mean, I can give it to you. Um, yep. my, e- my email is Todd, T-O-D-D, at T-W-Tennis.com. And then my phone number is 954 Two nine six five six one zero. 
Awesome. And all that will be in the show notes on parentingaces.com. So never fear if you didn't write it down, you can just uh, go to Parenting Aces and click on it and get right in touch with Todd. And he will be back in touch with you as he has been with many, many of our listeners over the past couple of years, really. So Todd, again, thank you so much for this. And to my listeners, thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll share the podcast with your tennis community. For all the information you need to navigate the junior and college tennis journey, be sure to check out parentingaces.com.